0: everybody and welcome to the niche podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows I suppose I'm your host Jordan Haas this this is a normal Wednesday episode uh (laughs) I say that even though I kind of feel like Regis Philbin uh because this is night three of a four night event of who wants to be a millionaire uh, because we are on the road to the Game Show Throwdown, it's going to be held in the Hyatt Place at Glendale, July 27th, and for more information, go to homegameentertainment.com throwdown. We have a great episode with one of the most iconic game shows today, Password, all-time favorite, I remember watching that, so many episodes on Game Show Network, you wouldn't believe But uh, before we get to that, we have to get to the news like we normally do. So first, uh, they're starting the production. Uh, They start filming for Catch-21 for Game Show Network in Las Vegas. So can't wait to hear more about this new revival of Game Show Network's Catch-21. It's one of those cool little quiz shows that has a mix of luck added to it that I kind of think is kind of novel and neat. Uh, Also, Don't is in the process of, I believe, getting through to their casting, and I think they're about to film their episodes, too, as well. So stay tuned to see both those probably in the fall at the very earliest. Uh, But, uh, you know, August 7th is coming up uh, right around the corner, I think in two weeks or so. And I, according to Broadway World... Uh August 7th is the series premiere of Hypnotize Me. <sighs> series premiere contestants put their skills to the test and take a trip around the world as they are challenged to compete simple tasks all while being hypnotized by hypnotist Keith Barry. When they attempt to sculpt Greek pottery and make authentic Italian pizzas, their entranced state has them thinking they are Patrick Swayze and that everyone is naked, causing hilarious hurdles that unwittingly sabotage their success. Watch as madness ensures as contestants believe that models are mannequins during Paris Fashion Week. After each round of hypnosis, host Hydij will inform the audience of the amount of money earned and later declare the ultimate amount won following the final group challenge. It's going to air August 7th, 2019 on the CW Dare to Defy. Yeah, so this was originally going to be a Fox show. And then I guess they said, no, thank you. And they pushed it aside. And I guess CW's like, hey, I guess we can air these episodes. And here they are. Uh, (laughs) I don't I don't know. I I mean, I, I wasn't really a fan of your back in the room. But hey, you know, CW is one to always te- try all of these British formats. They did *Pen and Teller* fool us, so who knows? This could be a moderate success. This could be uh, boring, for all we know. But um, per- personally, I, I, I mean, I may have to, I, I might have to watch it just to review it. But other than that, I don't, I don't know if this is gonna last. Uh, simply put, because. It seems like they're going into... CW, by any chance, is going into carny bullshit. And I don't mean to be mean, but it's carny bullshit. Like, magic. And now we have hypnotism. That means that we're due for a ventriloquist dummy show. And maybe something with jugglers. Because because that's all carny shit. And me, just give me the trapeze. Give me give me some cool acrobatics but if I want to see acrobatics I have to flip to NBC to watch American Ninja Warrior so I I don't know I, I don't know if I, it's a no for me dog uh anyway uh next Quibby orders a biggest little cook-off food competition series Jeffrey Katzenberg, oh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, oh, no, and Meg Whitman, oh, no, a short-form video platform Quibi has cooked up a new unscripted series called Biggest Little Cook-Off. The comedic miniature food competition series will offer an absurd showdown with two top chefs battling to create the most delicious, salivating, mouth-watering single bite of food. The series is produced by Levity Productions, a Levity Life company for Quibi. Judy Marmel, uh, Johnny Millard, and Aaron Corney are the exclu- uh, exclusive producers of the show. Um, Where do I begin here? Uh, I really didn't discuss Quibi yet. I think Quibi is going to be going the way of Go90, and I liked Go90 because of the runner uh, and the way they were playing old things like Easiest Game Show Ever. But I don't think this is going to last. I think this is a huge waste of money. Also, I think the idea of here's chefs making a single spoon has been done before multiple times in cooking comps. So for starters, I think that was the preliminary round for the taste. Like the single bite, and if you were good enough, Anthony Bourdain would put you on his team or something. Uh, Secondarily, I think that also was Extreme Chef. Because in the final round, when they were going through all the weird hazards of rain and and elements, uh, they had a single spoon taste test thing. And I think modern, like in recent history, Bite Club was a single bite show. I think that's still on the air. So when I see things like this, and I see biggest little, what is it, biggest little cook-off? This is one of those things where it's like, no, I think I've heard of this show before and I've seen it before and I don't know if it's going to bring anything new other than it's on Quibi, which tells me it's the one bite challenge then in some cases, because a lot of cooking competitions have the one bite challenge and it's supposed to be like using uh, one of those soup spoons that are used in, uh, in Chinese soup dishes. Come up with the most flattering bite, so you have like a little crunch, a little taste. I think that was even like a taskmaster challenge just, this, this, uh, uh recently. So, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I might, I'm, I gotta look into it, but it is quibby, and I, it, it's, I, I don't know. Also. <laughs> Deadline is reporting America's top dog, Fox NFL Sunday host, Kurt Menefee, and ex-Secret Service member, Nick White, to front a competition series. Fox NFL Sunday host, Kurt Menefee, to front a es canine competition series, America's top dog, alongside expert trainer and former Secret Service member, Nick White. The pair to our defronte series, which sees four police canine teams, including the dogs from the hit police series Live PD. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read this before. <laughs> I should have read this before recording. Anyway, the dogs from the hit series Live PD compete against one civilian team in each episode for the title of Top Dog. The teams will be tested on their speed, agility, and teamwork by completing a series of expert tasks on a massive obstacle course, including navigating a complex maze for scented items and apprehending and taking down a suspect in a bite suit, among a variety of other challenges. Each week's winning team will receive $10,000 and an additional $5,000 to donate to the animal charity of their choice. In the final week of competition, top competitors will return to the finale course to battle for the title of America's Top Dog and an additional 25000 cash prize. Medefi, who also hosts the wrap-up show The O.T., and White, who is a former U.S. Marine, will be joined by sideline reporter Jamie Little, a seasoned motorsports reporter covering the pit road for Fox NASCAR, as well as Animal Rescue Ambassador, who served as a reporter at the 2019 Westminster Kennel Club show. The series will air this winter on A&E and is produced by MGM's Big Fish Entertainment, which also makes Live PD. Huh, <laughs> maybe that's how they got the dogs from Live PD on. I <laughs> uh, executive producers are Dan Corsero, Lucia Diagoncino, Jordana Starr, and Holly Waffield. Executive producers for A&E are Elaine Fontenbryant, Shelley Totaro, Sean Gottlieb, and Brad Holkman. While A&E holds worldwide distribution lights for the show in format. You know, um, by the looks of things, it's going to be like American Ninja Warrior, but with dogs. So I'm here for that. This looks really wild, and I hope that a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook find out about this show, because something tells me this could go viral real quick, (laughs) because who doesn't love doggos? Am I right? (laughs) Bow wow wow, yippee yo, (laughs) yippee yay. (laughs) Passwords are all around us these days, from the ones that are just your birthdate, to just typing password, to uppercase, lowercase, a weird number, and a symbol, to the very classic 123456. But back in the 1960s, it was a code word to enter speakeasies, especially during the Prohibition era of 1930s New York. The year is 1961, and we are introduced to one of the parlor-style game shows that had become a hot commodity in television, after the game show world was shocked by a world of quiz show scandals. Instead of big money rewards because producers would tell you the answer ahead of time, This time around, the game is simply to get your teammate to say the answer in front of you in one-word clues. This simple word-guessing game featured a contestant and a celebrity, most of which were famous for CBS programming at the time. It had a format almost every decade, from the 1960s Password to 70s Password All-Stars to 80s Password Plus and Super Password to modern 2000s Million Dollar Password. A real time loop of game shows and a show that, as of right now, can only be seen sometimes on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. So, join me and Adam Edith on a discussion of password. Now, let's turn the tables. <laughs> with me on the line is. Probably the biggest expert in game shows currently in existence. Now, if this is game shows, I suppose this is game shows. Not only am I sure I'm going to lock it in. He (laughs) he wrote the book on game shows.
1: Literally multiple books. (laughs) Give it up for Adam. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I I did, in fact, write multiple books, and uh, that can be proven with a search of my name.
0: Uh, so I, feel I, free I to, to fact right. check that. I have with me right now Game Shows FAQ. Ah, yeah, good. Have, and and you, like you said in the introduction, it's like a textbook of the introduction yes. to Game Shows.
1: Yeah. Now that was very funny. They, uh, The publisher asked me, this is a book about Game Shows. I, I didn't know how to open that. If you pick up a book called Game Shows FAQ, you have a good sense of the general subject matter.
0: It is, and and, and, yeah. it's, and it has, and some of the stuff I already knew in advance, and I kind of already said on the show. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff I never
1: knew about <laughs> yeah.
0: the scenes. There's that it's, and it's made you a
1: fuller and richer person, and probably in the come a better podcast host for it.
0: <laughs> this is like the book for me, and
1: I haven't just appeared on your podcast; I've changed your life.
0: It did, and and yeah, yeah an upcoming book. Uh, lined up too.
1: <laughs> uh, a couple of them actually. A Biography of Marty, uh with uh, it's a revised version of his original. Whoa! With uh, help from his family chiming in and uh, help from a few people uh, that knew him and worked with him, uh, including the former president of Catalina Productions, which oversaw the ill-fated early '80s version of uh, Let's Make a Deal from Canada, uh, and the uh, the man who adapted uh, Antiques Antique Roadshow for America television will be uh featured in the book too whoa because because Monty hosted the pilot for the American version of Antiques Show,
0: which is now hosted by other acclaimed game show host right now that's right Mark Wahlberg <laughs> yes so there's a whole so, parallel here and it's, it's fun when everyone gets to know each other you, yeah you're always in my circle because people like Tim People like Travis <laughs> and the twenty-five-hour game show Throwdown. Everyone in that Throwdown seems to have some involvement in the game show world. And just for the sake of of of, of, of clarification, so people mm-hmm. will know, uh, there's some bias here, and I, I want it, to. It's we want to be ethical here. You have worked on game shows
1: before. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, worked in the prize department at Wheel of the Fortune for one season. Worked in uh, the prize department for The Price is Right for a couple of months. Worked as a page for The Price is Right. Uh, worked as a graphics designer for Idiot Test and Emo Genius. Uh, question writer for Genius Junior on NBC. Question researcher for Funny You Should Ask. Question researcher and content producer for Double Dare. Uh, question researcher for Mental Samurai on the Fox Network. Uh, and more to come.
0: Stuff that's NDA, and even, I can't pry it out of him. Folks, I tried. (laughs) I can't get Adam to spill the beans on the new projects, but I kind of can take a guess on what they could be. (laughs) But but yes, I love the puzzles on Mental Samurai. I love the puzzles on Idiot Test. Is it, before we get into today's episode, which is Password, is it true that there's, like, almost like a borderline essay on every Idiot Test question?
1: (laughs) What do you mean?
0: Like, like when you read the like, you have to type out the question. So it's like, who is the tallest, or uh-huh. what is the tallest? And you see three people of various heights, and then you see a giant skyscraper in the background. Yeah, and it's like, well, it, and it's like, well, if they t- touch Mike, Mike is not a what; it's a person. That's a who. If they right. touch Linda, it's a who, not a what.
1: <laughs> um, I I wouldn't say there was an essay written, but. Like a writer who would have to write a puzzle would have to explain the logic behind saying why the correct answer was the correct answer, uh, as part of submitting the puzzle for consideration for the show. Um, yeah.
0: Because it's because yeah. it's because to me that's the only question I've ever wanted of idiot tests. It's like is it true? It's like almost like a burling paragraph of all the logic of. <laughs> and then mental samurai has some slight variation of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, like for instance, the almond puzzle from season one becomes put the, put the first and last names of these celebrities to form the name of a six-letter fruit. Yeah, um, uh, and it's the, there's a lot of cleverness, and that's why it's like it's great. And I, I could seriously, you could pick any game show, and I'm pretty sure uh, you would know it. Uh, and you are famous for game shows, not just here, but on Conan too, <laughs> back
1: in the day. Wow, I, I I hope everyone can hear me. Famous? No, I I'm famous. I, I'm famous for Conan in the sense that if you go on YouTube, it is how everybody on YouTube comes out of the woodwork to announce that they're experts on autism symptoms. Um, but no, I was on Conan in uh, 2011, I think. Um, back when I was working at Madame Tussauds Hollywood the world-famous wax attraction on hollywood boulevard and conan had just moved to tbs and he had come to the attraction because he found out that after he left nbc universal studios sent the madame tussauds wax figure that they had commissioned for conan they sent it back to madame tussauds and we had put it on display so conan came in to do a to do a remote segment and i had this trick that i used to do at parties as kind of an icebreaker To hammer home the point that I'm into game shows uh, because I have absolutely, at the time, I had absolutely nothing else interesting to say about myself at a party. But the gist of the trick is this Jordan, give me your date of birth. March 1st, 1989. March 1st, 1989, on the day you were born, CBS aired Card Sharks Family Feud and The Price is Right. Uh nothing on ABC that day because they got out of the game show game generally speaking pretty quickly. Uh NBC had uh Scrabble, uh let's see, Wheel of Fortune daytime edition, Super Password was sticking around, Win Loser Draw and Classic Concentration. And then in First Run Syndication they had the Newlywed Game. They had the Gong Show, they had Double Dare, they had uh I believe Finders Keepers that day. Uh, we have a fortune nighttime edition, Jeopardy, and those were the game shows that aired on the day you were born. And there's a book about this, too. <laughs> you wrote <laughs> in the stay in game show history. <laughs> this day in game show history. What I wanted to do for this day in game show have you ever John's bathroom? Yes. Okay, I wanted to write a book like that, but with game show stuff, I, and... <laughs> I tied it into notable I, I tied it into one essay for every day of the year because that way it guided what I wrote about because if I didn't have a frame of mind for what I needed to commit to and write about, uh, the subjects could be all over the place and I might miss some things that you should really cover in a book about game shows. so forcing myself to write 365 essays and tying one to every date on the calendar, was a good way of making sure that I covered stuff that should be color- covered and focusing myself on it.
0: And it's just fun. Cause I just want to urge people cause people might be listening to this. They might be either casual viewers of game shows, which is mm-hmm. probably a good half. The other half are people like us who definitely know what formats we're talking about. Yeah. That we need to tell people, Hey, if you love game shows, there is a good chance you might end up falling into this industry. <laughs> one form
1: <Yeah>. or another. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is write eleven books. <laughs> you have to write eleven books. And once you're, once you get that, you're allowed one. <laughs> Just the one, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one show, and if it's, uh, and pl- play it safe if it's. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and now we got to get into today's episode. Uh, oh, do we? Do we? Okay. I, I mean, well, let's have a gong show a bit too, if you want. Okay. <laughs> Go right ahead. Because every single time I'm watching Tim's, like, Twitch streams, there's always some bit new information about You with Gong Show. And it's, you are definitely, yeah. like, a vice journalist when it comes to game <laughs> shows. You are like, I will go into a garage, I will find
1: Mark Goodson's Rolodex, and I yes. will contact people, I will. it you don't know the hat, and a lot of the times it comes about, <laughs> it's not a matter of I am going to find this, it's a matter of somebody's. I never threw this away, and then me asking, "Can I look at it?" And that's how you wind up coming out of a garage with uh, two years worth of memos written by Chuck Barris to his employees. And you know, he is one of the funniest people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, and uh, there will there like... will be some there will be some samples of Chuck's memo writing skills in this book, but Chuck is a memo from Chuck Barris very much reads the way you would expect it to. <laughs>
0: It's some weird, wild stuff. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and
0: there's uh, also... a sneak preview. If,
1: if You can gauge how angry Chuck is at the time by what name he signs it with. If he signs it Chuck, he's in a good mood. If he's in a not-so-great mood, he signs it Zachary Grump. And then, <laughs> and then the third level of Chuck's anger is he signs it Hitler with an A. H-I-T-L-A-R. And Hitler means do not bother Chuck for the rest of the day.
0: Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's going to be a whole episode. It's going to be like, yeah, we need to have Adam back to talk about every show we scrapped on because we glossed over things like the giant gong and the gong show trophy yeah. and the unknown common.
1: I'm not sure how many episodes of these do. Of these, I can do because I'm not so fond of promoting myself, you know. I but. Uh... <laughs>
0: And 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 the only other thing we could bring up here, because uh, I just just to get all your plugs out of the way, I guess. <laughs> One of my most memorable favorite things, and you're going to just go, ugh, you were a contestant on a game show. Yes, I was. A certain uh, a couple show. of them.
1: I was a contestant on Catch Twenty One. Won two thousand dollars on Catch Twenty One. Critical point in my life. I won two thousand dollars. At a point when I did not have a savings account, Whoa. Uh, so th- I didn't I didn't have like any sort of cushion to fall back on. So uh, I took my two thousand dollars, I spent six hundred dollars on a new on a new bed, and I still have the frame to it. It's it's the frame for my new mattress, uh, and then the rest went into the bank and became, at long last, a savings account. So I had money to fall back on if I needed it. So, so you, I finally so literally saved you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they rescued me and they gave me that uh, that emergency cushion at a time in my life. One, and then I was on uh, Trivial Pursuit. America plays. I was America, uh, and Hi, I Adam, won.
0: Adam, this is my yeah. question.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I won seven hundred bucks. Um, that was a great day too, because uh, really, what they did for America, at least in my case they had a member of the staff set up a table at Glendale Galleria and you could just you could walk up there and submit questions for the show as long as you signed a form and stood in front of the camera. And he was visibly surprised when I showed up with a stack of cards in my hand. I had shown up with 32 prepared questions for Trivial Pursuit. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that mall so much. That, I, I think that's, and, gonna, um, that's like one of the meccas of, of game show. And, and the <laughs>
1: craziest thing about that is the only question one question won me money for $700, and it was the easiest question out of that 32. Well, what was... comic strip character was born at the Daisy Hill Puppy Farm?
0: Oh, uh, the, 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 the Daisy Hill. Uh, puppy Farms, I will say... Lassie?
1: A comic strip dog. Oh, Marmaduke. No, for God's sake. <laughs> Snoopy! Snoopy! Marmaduke. Yeah, wasn't the born; money. he escaped. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I I won money on that question, and
0: then yeah. NBC's breakout hit.
1: <laughs> Who's still standing? I did not win money and fell through a hole. <laughs> that sums it up. There's a whole story online if you enter the proper Google terms because I I don't remember the URL now, but. Um, that day of taping was an interesting day. <laughs> and that's... We're not going to blame the production
0: company because some of those people might be listening right now and might want to hear. But we'll just say uh, yeah. they got a little better. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at the time, they said your occupation was a wrestling announcer.
1: <laughs> yep. Because they, they asked me to write down my five, my five most recent jobs, and they picked out that one and said, it's interesting. So they went with the most interesting job and not the current job.
0: <laughs> and, and, that's when, and now you're the new voice of MMA. You're the new yeah. uh, <laughs> AEW is knocking at your door.
1: Yep. You're that's the, right. That's I'll be Justin. there every Tuesday night in the fall on TNT.
0: If Justin Roberts is sick, they call you up. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so now we go into the game show. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is a classic game show because there's a few firsts with this. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This, the, the, this is a game show that started the, the bonus round concept with the lightning round, even though there was like beat the clock and stuff.
1: Not necessarily started, but popularized it. Uh, Name that tune pretty much pioneered it uh, with uh, the Golden Medley in the 1950s, but I will say it would be accurate to say that Password is the show that made the bonus round necessary. I, I've talked to people who were around in the industry at that time, and they said Password's influence with regards to that was really after Password took off, when you pitched a game show to the networks, you were expected to have a bonus round.
0: And second is, if it wasn't for this, I don't think any of the game shows that would exist in our modern-day summer funding games lineup would exist, partially because of Bob Stewart, of course. But. Right, right. but it's the civilian contestant meets the celebrity and they work together Uh uh-huh without that there would have never been a hollywood game night There would
1: never be a pyramid
0: there would never
1: be any of these game shows and there would never been match game which i can get to if we want to get to that of course we always can get to all these game shows yeah no man Match Game, everyone thinks Match Game as the six celebrities on the panel, but uh, that was actually a retooling of the original game, which was on for uh, almost seven years in the 1960s. And that had started as kind of an offshoot of uh, Password. Mark Goodson's staff wanted to cash in on the popularity of Password as fast as they could by introducing a bunch more game shows where celebrities were teamed up with contestants. And Frank Wayne, who is credited in this episode of Password as the executive producer, came up with a game where celebrities would team up with contestants and they would write, they would hear questions and they would write answers. And the goal was to write down the same answer that your partners were writing. And that was the original match game. And that turned into the better known 70s match game, which turned into now the Alec Baldwin version. So, yes, that part of Sunday Night Fun and Games is definitely uh, thanks to Password.
0: And the match game at questions universe.
1: at the time, yeah. two became the offshoot of the surveys It would become the spin off of Match Game Family Feud. Right. So, yes, uh, Password is the nexus of the universe.
0: <laughs> and that's, and if, I can't think of anyone else but you <laughs> to do this. I really can't. That's, that's why it was like, I mean, we could get any of these game shows. You wrote the book on Colin, you wrote the book.
1: Yeah. And, and by wrote way, the Colin? book on Gene Rayburn Gene? and the, the best part of writing that book on Gene Rayburn is finding out I, I can actually have claimed the sentence in your face, Johnny Carson <laughs> because there, there was an episode in 1970 says that a book about Gene Rayburn will never be a bestseller and I was number one in a category on Amazon with the matchless Gene Rayburn so in your face, Johnny Carson
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Yeah. But now we got to go to Password. Password is an iconic wordplay game show. Iconic because there's home games, board games,
1: travel editions. Uh, and oh yeah, you have multiple- all that stuff. And it's one of those rare games where the home game outlived the TV show. Uh, the The original Password was on the air. 1961 to 67 on CBS, and they came back uh, on ABC in 1971, uh, and they were on ABC through 1975. But even during those years in between, Milton Bradley was still producing Password Home Games uh, annually, and they were even producing Password Home Games all the way up to 1987. And during that period, they had spun off the format and reinvented it into Password Password Plus and Super Password, and even with Password Plus coming going, and Super Password being on the air, they were still making original Password home games. So, this was a durable, durable format they created, and in a way, it sort of transcended being a TV show, because if you look at those Milton Bradley home games, there's really nothing to suggest based on a TV show. It doesn't say based on the popular show anywhere on the box or anything like that. It's just, here is a board game called Password.
0: And there's so many versions you we, we, we could definitely spend like a good three hours of password so i don't know if yeah. we can, we'll push into the later years the the pluses and supers and million dollars definitely on the table for this one but sure. gotta go with the the classic so what is password the format
1: password the format is you have two teams of two uh and on television it is one celebrity paired up with a contestant, against one celebrity paired up with a contestant. Alan Lutton hands uh, one member of each team uh, a copy of the password. Each of them has the same password, and the uh, the rules of the game are you are trying to convey that password, make your partner say it, by giving one-word clues that will prompt them to say that word. Uh, it- it has to be a single word. It cannot be a hyphenated word. It cannot be a part or form of the password. Um, and it cannot um, it cannot have, uh, your clue cannot have the password com- contained in it. Uh, as the example the home game gives, you could not give the password, you could not give the clue monk for monkey. So those are your restrictions. But the main thing to keep in mind is you have to give a one word clue that makes your partner say the word. Uh, if it's guessed correctly on the first clue given. It's worth 10 points, uh, and uh, if they fail to guess it on that first clue, then the opponents have a shot at it for 9 points. If they don't get it at 9 points, you have a shot at it again for 8 points, and then it bounces back and forth like that until, until it dwindles down to 1 point after 10 clues are given. And the first uh, team to accumulate 25 points or more wins the game, it goes on to play the lightning round for $250. It's basically the same game, except it's played against the clock. Uh, 60 seconds. You have five passwords to convey. Every password that you convey is worth $50 for a maximum of 250 bucks.
0: And sometimes, and that's the basic format. And that's the basic partners. Format. Repeat the process.
1: Yep. And then on this version of password, after you've played two games, like Jordan said, you switch partners in between, and after you play those two, games, you go home. It doesn't matter how well you played or how bad you played. It doesn't matter won both games it doesn't matter how much money the lightning round done after playing two games of password
0: now i i, I always want to explain like do you want to, do you like the fact it's two and then you're through or do you would you rather just keep going back and forth until the time stops with two
1: well there's a the, I, I like the idea of going back and forth until this runs out and in fact that's what they did uh for the nighttime version when they first went to nighttime in 62 and CBS actually kind of freaked out one week because they had one contestant who was doing really, really well at the game and finished out the half hour with more than a thousand dollars. And this was everyone was still licking their wounds from the quiz show scandals that at that point. and CBS was moderately freaked out about doing a single half hour episode of a game show where somebody won over thousand dollars. so the the time, they broke it up.
0: Thousand bucks is like yeah. It's like it's James Tower
1: money at this point. Like. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Back in uh, back in my day, you'd, uh, go see two movies. It's that kind of money. Um, no, they. So that's the reason they didn't do it that way. Um, the one interesting thing I will say on the final episode of Daytime Password, and they only did this on the final episode. But I thought you should have done this for the whole series. Um, after the two civilians have played their games, Alan says, now, he points to one of the c- civilians and says, now you come over to this side of the table, and points to the male celebrity, Frank Gifford and says, you go to that side of the table. And they had celebrities versus civilians for the last game of Password on CBS. Whoa. And I thought that was kind of brilliant then. Uh, like I said, they should have just done that from the beginning. They had a third game, and as Alan laid out, the idea here was if the celebrity team wins the game the money's going to go to charity. If the civilians win the game, they'll split the prize money. I like that. Um, Yeah. Which, that wouldn't have put them over $1,000. Under that format, if if they had done it that way all along, the best you could do as a contestant on Pass under that format would have been $875. So it wouldn't have been so much money that it would have made CBS sweat. But I just, I was blown away that they weren't doing that the whole time because that was a great little added feature at the end.
0: I, I mean, and it's and plus they kind of get about three three to four games per episode. In. Yeah,
1: so three games could have filled out the half hour if they had chosen to do it.
0: And an important part about password of why also I picked Adam is the invitational. You had a tournament of passwords.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, this I've done two of these. I don't know if I'm going to do one. Reason I'll explain in a moment, but uh, to promote my biography of Alan Lutton more than Password, Life and Life of Ellen, available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Uh, I held a Password Invitational Tournament here in Glendale at the Downtown Central Library, uh, where area Password enthusiasts could come and play Password. Uh, Gave away free copies of the book as prizes along with uh, trophies and uh, with gift cards to Game House Cafe, which is a fantastic restaurant here in Glendale. Uh, You pay a $5 cover charge, and then you have unlimited access to a board game library in the restaurant as you're eating your meal and even after. So people go to this restaurant, and they stay for hours at a time just playing the board games. Uh, And it's a wonderful place with a great staff. I love the people that run that restaurant. Um, and it's just a good experience for everyone who's there. Uh, the only catch is I got the venue for free because I was promoting a book and the, the library will basically allow you to use the venue for free as long as you have a book. So I had the, uh, the Alan Ludden biography t- two years ago, last year I had Game Shows FAQ coming out. I don't have a book coming out this year, so I don't know if I'm doing a password tournament again. I'm probably not. Um, because I, I, I don't have that kind of scratcheroo line around to do a, <laughs> to do a password invitational tournament um but uh definitely i should have a book coming out next year and then we'll have the third alan ludden uh, invitational password tournament
0: i mean beyond that I, we'll see what happens i'm not going to throw anything out there but you do there is a game show throwdown that's 25 hours long and it's yeah. not listed necessarily as a possible way to i don't know do a
1: turn <laughs> uh, well now the one of the override features we have um we have PG-13 and beyond-rated games during the overnight hours of the throwdown, and one of the things that's become very popular in recent years, and this was very unexpected, it happened very organic Here we did it, and so we just kept going it. Uh, we call it Drunken Password. And basically all it is is people in attendance can uh, submit their own passwords uh, for a donation. Drop some money in the bucket and then run up to the MC and that you want to see play next. And that's it. And yeah, some were, and
0: these are like some filthy words, and then some are like yes. modern convert. My submission a few
1: years ago was dongle, which is not a filthy word actually, but it sounds like it, which is just as good.
0: Which is perfect for a password reboot.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh,
0: so so we before we get to the presentation, because I guess we could really just go an hour about Ludden. Yeah. We will just straight jump into it. So first to 25 points, place the speed round. And then in a later version, there was a gambling round with the
1: speed round. Yeah. When they revived the show in 1971 for ABC, they that was one of them. Um, The first big modification was to speed up the game a bit. They they whittled it down from 10 clues per password to 6 clues per password. If it hadn't been guessed by the 5-point clue, they just threw out the word and moved on. Uh, So that was the first change. And then the second change was they introduced returning champions for that version. Um, and, and you could remain on the show for however many games you could cram into 10 episodes. You could be, you could appear on a maximum of 10 episodes and however many games were contained within those episodes. Um, but you could be a champion that long. And then the big modification to the lightning round was after the lightning round, they added the, the gamble the betting word they call it, which was you could wager any or all of the money that you had won in the lightning round. On one last password, it was now, instead of the celebrity giving the lightning round clues to the contestant, it was now the contestant giving clues to the celebrity. They had one word, they had 15 seconds to make the celebrity say it. If they said it, they won their bet. If they didn't, they lost their bet.
0: And I love that. Yeah. Uh, Alright. So, the, normally, this is a question that would be at the end of the show, but I figure, because the password's going to be mostly talked about the presentation in mm-hmm. Ludden and the announcing, we're going to Ask this question right then and there. Should the show be revived? If so, how?
1: I I would say, okay, here's the catch. Uh, this fall, uh, 25 words or less is coming up in syndication. And that is a very, very similar show. And uh, We're I, I don't know it. that you'd want Password to drown in shows that are inspired by it. You know, you, you wouldn't want Password on the air surrounded by the summer runs of Pyramid and then the syndicated runs of 25 Words or Less. Um, but I would say, at the very least, Jimmy Fallon has proven that it's doable. What's amazing about Jimmy Fallon playing Password for comedy on uh, his show is that he's not doing anything to it. It's not Password with a gimmick at the end. It's not Password with people shaving, uh, throwing shit. Shaving cream at each other or anything like that. It's not password, but all the words are connected to this. There's uh, Jimmy Fallon does password without gimmicks, and what's amazing is it gets laughs. If you just play password normally and play it straightforward, you can get laughs with it, and he's proven that. So he's proven that it's absolutely doable. And what I find interesting about it, and we were talking about. For a game show that was made in 1961, it is very, very common to the modern attention span because there are three full games of Password usually played in a half hour, including Lightning Round. And so if you wanted to do this as, like, a YouTube thing or as an online thing, you could just make it a 15-minute game and have two games, or you could even do, like, one game in a seven-minute post on, online. And... Do it the same way with celebrities and the prize money. You could do it with lower stakes. But this show is very, very built for modern times. And that's kind of remarkable to say that about a show that was created that long ago.
0: We're not going to speak of the buzzer password that came out like eight <laughs> years ago, but <laughs> I get your point of it's youtubeable yeah. uh, Right. Especially, especially the Fallon versions. I see the numbers on the Fallon, like when they get Higgins to host. Yeah. It's, it's usually they get like, fallon to be one of the celebrities then they get like whoever is one of their guests so like tiffany haddish or or uh they had matthew mcconaughey once and it's like they're just playing with a civilian and it's like that's kind of fun yeah and the word really is similar it's got it's true yeah in modern day words so it's like twerk
1: app (laughs) bluetooth Well, that is kind of the fun of brainstorming words for when we do the password tournaments or when we do the drunken password tournaments is uh, we actually do make a concerted effort to try to think of words that did not exist prior to, say, 1980. Um, And that's kind of fun about playing a game with the English language is evolving so you can do new stuff with it that you could not do with a game of password 40 years ago.
0: So here's how I would do Password, and then we'll just move on and talk about actually all the good stuff of Password back in the day. In my mm-hmm. revival of Password, we treat it like the primetime version to a, to a hook. I just put just Higgins because he's the most established person to host Password right now because of Fallon. Mm-hmm. It follows the same classic format of a contestant celeb versus contestant and celeb. And it's the same first to twenty-five wins. Now what I say is the hook is the first to twenty-five plays for twenty-five thousand dollars because that's the perfect amount of money to win in a speed round version of password in modern day. Yeah. And it's the same ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four with the single passwords. Illegal clues, if in the middle of it, goes to the opponent just to make the game just somewhat faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the bonus round it's played in two parts just like almost like the ABC version there's a speed word where it's 60 seconds and 5 passwords each one of those is worth Mm -hmm. Mm $1000 and after those 60 seconds are up whatever is the amount you get to play for 5 times the amount almost like match game 5 times the amount on the final word I'm calling it the cash word just to throw back to the days of super password yeah where it's a much more difficult word. Like, it's gonna be one that's really tough. <laughs> and if you can get that word in three clues or less, like the days of million dollar password, or cash word in super password, that money is multiplied by five. So now it's not 4,000 you won, you won 20,000. Then we switch sides and we do it again. And we repeat the process until time runs up. When the time buzzer goes off, whatever's the points at the, during the game, is multiplied by 100 bucks. So there's a consolation available for contestants. Yeah. <laughs> so if the score is like 9 to 14, one person gets an extra $900, the other gets an extra 1400 bucks and that's it. Rinse repeat. See you next week. <laughs> And and we keep it to the original set, which is where we're going right now. That's what I wanted to to, to transition to. (laughs) One of the most iconic game show sets of all time, I would say. When it comes to the decorum of Password, when you think of a game show set, yes, there's things that you can, can kind of remember and visualize, like the Wheel of Fortune wheel and the letter board, the Jeopardy wall of televisions, the Price is Right triple doors and the home base but I would say you can't think of a more iconic, I mean, maybe the winter circle in Pyramid, uh, but a more iconic game show set complete than the set of Password. The table, the two chairs, a little mini stage in the center, and that art deco in the background.
1: Well, for one thing, it is it is instantly recognizable. recognizable to the point that Goodson Todman lawyered up when another game show... In- similar set design um, because that's you look at that and you know you're watching Password Um, I would say yeah it's definitely iconic for the 60s definitely has that of an era look to it um, and very uh, and honestly actually rather pleasant to look at now like you look at the set and you know it's the 60s but you don't go oh this was from the 60s It's it still looks nice you don't laugh at it you just know that it's of that
0: but I would say now it kind of has that nice classic yet modern sleek look that it's in right now. And when you Mm -hmm. look at modern game shows like common knowledge, they kind of inspire by password in their design. Yeah. That, that definitely holds up today. Now if we go by the, the hexagon stage of the ABC version. Orange, more Orange. We needed to look to get people confused. It's blockbusters, quick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or just... giant orange hexagons. I it, giant orange hexagons. lights up. And my uh, my favorite are the the two enormous doors in the '70s version that the that the celebrities walk in from because it's you have this quiet simple game and you have the most imposing looking entrance for the two celebrities that you could possibly <laughs> do with with '70s set design.
0: Well, I mean, it could get worse. I mean, yeah. let's not say that's the worst password set. Even though I would say that's really ugly. <laughs> I'm I'm the harsh believer of Password All Stars had the worst game show password. Really? Set. I didn't like it because it was too because I you know why it was because it was too much c- color clash because it was red with green with blue. Even though it was of a later 70s era of you know the the bicentennial and. <laughs> I didn't care about. Yeah. Also, but then again, Password Plus does that count? Do you want to count Password Plus?
1: Yes, and I would give that. Even though I like Password Plus, I um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story that's been relayed to me. <laughs> okay, about Password Plus. Um, uh, after they had shot the pilot, there was a Password Plus, and I'm gonna leave a confidence that's been bestowed upon me but a Password Plus staffer was standing on the set just kind of looking at the set curiously, and another Password Plus staffer comes over and says, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? And he says, have you noticed anything odd about the set of the show? And staffer number two says, no, what do you mean? And he says, look at the spaces between the plus signs. And staffer number two looks at it and realizes for the first time, oh, my God, our set's covered in swastikas.
0: <laughs> uh, yes.
1: Um... So, uh, and apparently Mark Goodson also noticed this. Goodson allegedly, to my understanding, noticed this and said something about it after he saw the set for the first time. And so an emergency meeting was held, and <laughs> it's way too late for us to rebuild the set because at the time they had shot the pilot, NBC was already committed to it, and the first taping was coming very, very shortly after. Okay. It's too late for us to build the new set, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to wait for people to start sending hate mail, and then we're going to rebuild it once we start seeing people complaining about it. And then, by God, for the next three years and three months, nobody wrote a single piece of hate mail about the set. <laughs> so okay. they just stuck with the same set for the entire run because no one would. But after the pilot was shot, everybody looked at this thing and noticed, whoa, we covered our set with swastikas. <laughs>
0: It's a negative space thing. It's a very yeah. idiot test level of
1: thinking. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you got to focus on that negative space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ludden, we got to go Ludden. We got to talk about the shoot. We got to talk about the announcer. The most iconic thing people remember, if not nothing else besides Ludden's career, is the iconic catchphrase: "Let's find the password." <laughs>
1: Uh, no, it's... no. <laughs> Alan was actually better known for anything he did, <laughs> <laughs> and there was probably a better way to say that. But uh, Alan was very famous for making blowing gestures, <laughs> outstretching his hand to the viewer as he was, and very, very often he would say, "As they look at it, we'd like you to see it." I would say he said that more often than he said anything else. But he would just he'd stick the hand out, or he'd wave his hand forward or something like that to introduce the next password. It was very simple <laughs> and elegant. And
0: Which is a common idea kind of now in Japanese game shows. If you look at a lot of Japanese when they do the roll the clip, they do uh-huh. a hand gesture now. Like, I remember that on Hayspring of Trivia. They do that. The, the yeah. hand out grab. And then you hear an announcer. And this is the thing, the big infamous catchphrase, is this dark, ominous announcer going, The password is... Yes!
1: Yes! Uh, the origin story for that was it was actually for a personal touch from Bob Stewart, who was credited as the creator of the show. He didn't really create it, he modified an. an- lap. Um, but Bob Stewart gets the credit for creating the show. And Bob Stewart's mother was an immigrant who could speak English fluently, but she. She couldn't read it. She had never learned how to read it. And Bob Stewart wanted his mother to be able to follow what was happening on the show. So the entire reason that password was whispered at the beginning was so Bob Stewart's mother would know what was going on.
0: And it also gives it the nice, prominence feeling. Because because when you hear that, and I hate to say it, it tells a story, but yeah. when you're supposed to say the password, it gives it like a speakeasy vibe. And this is right, like 40 years out of the Depression- Still, yeah. still with the with the with bootleggers going on, and well, and kind of the other great thing about it, you
1: you have game shows were designed with the thought that women were going to be doing their housework while watching the show, and it was a nice little help to the housewife who was doing her ironing while the TV was on. So, like, if you didn't have that announcer introducing it you could theoretically just kind of follow what was going on with the clues, but the password being whispered at the beginning was, okay, now I can follow what's going on. I know he said that word because he's trying to make his partner say this.
0: And it gives it the yeah. ominous feel of the password. Like, like it almost feels like we're on a secret now. The password is, yeah. it's early ASMR. We've brought that show yes. where we are. It is <laughs> the first ASMR game show. That's right. And in fact, if you wanted to do password on YouTube, you could probably tell. (laughs) And you were telling me how they did
1: it, how they do the announcer voice. This really surprised me. I got access, and all these were taken angles than the cameras would use when the show was being taped. Uh, so you s- I got to see the set in very very different ways. and what really shocked me was I discovered from these photos how close that announcer was uh, to the game in progress. If you if you look at the wide shot when they're showing Alan and the players all seated at the desk, no, no further away than the edge of that shot is where the announcer is standing. And the announcer had a headset and was whispering that password with his microphone potted up to absolutely the loudest possible volume. So it would come off on the air. And, in fact, when you hear the passwords on this episode, you'll notice even though he's whispering, his voice is very, very overmoded. It, 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 audio production, would be a, it would be called clipping. Um, but that's because they have that volume turned up as loudly as, he can, as they could because he is right next to the players that that game is going on. And he's whispering the correct answer.
0: The password is Yeah. And that's how it goes. And it's, sorry to anyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> but that was how it is. And it's, and it's, and also then there's a little iconic box in the bottom when they would fade into the, what's the word, with the mm-hmm. font
1: known simply as cartoon. cartoon. So for those of you who, for those of you who are just itching and put together your own recreation password, the name of the font you need to look for it is Cartoon. Now it's really tricky to find cartoon font so you still you still have to be very selective and very creative about how you go about finding it because otherwise it would give you fonts that look like cartoon fonts um, but that's the name I of the font. A cartoon they font that looked like yeah. the funhouse font
0: from the game right.
1: funhouse. or it's going to give you comic stands font or something like that you don't um but i will say in possibly the most juvenile thing i've done and this i guess this is my way the way my brain is wired uh, I, the first time I ever downloaded that font, all I did for about 10 minutes was type different dirty words in that font just to see what they looked like as passwords. Because you see, I'm eight.
0: <laughs> You're an eight going on yeah. 28. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's such a fun word. also, I just, it didn't hit me until now the password, uh, eyeball symbol. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, the the um the Illuminati symbol hovering over the players as they play the game. That's my theory. Pass that conspiracy around about Goodson and Todman Now that you mention that, but yeah, the the really creepy eye shaped logo hovering over the <laughs> contest, and not even not even CBSI. It's the shape of the eye inside the eyelids, and it just it's this unblinking eye with password printed across it.
0: It reminds you me of, of password. I guess. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Which is
1: probably one that we should actually have, because that's also a
0: fascinating game show to discuss, I guess. It is. That's the new new name of this podcast, Game Shows, I Guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But going into lead, so the passwords were delivered by shoot.
1: (laughs) Yes. Alan would mention it sometimes. You never saw it on camera. Saw from looking at these photos. But there was a little, I, I guess it would be more accurate to call. But it, for something they never showed on camera, it was kind of neat looking. But the passwords, rather than Alan just picking it up from a stack set up behind him and prearranged, uh, the passwords were sent down this little slide behind Alan. And every time it was time for a new password, he would just look behind him and these little envelopes would come sliding down. And he would just grab them from the bottom of the slide.
0: And there were three, one for him and one for each of the celebrities.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of as a bailout because and Brian Keith does it in this episode and you noticed it. Brian Keith looks at the password and then throws it in his chute and throws it in uh, that little dispenser thing before giving his first clue and it's what if you forget what it is? He's, you're really kind of taking a calculated risk, but Alan has that so he can follow along and every now and then flip up and do that and Alan would hand them his envelope to help them out.
0: And And Ludden, let's also get into one thing, and it's an easy trivia question, who was Alan Ludden's wife?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Margaret McLoyne Ludden was wife number one, but his second wife, well, actually, glasses pushed up, was the popular television actress, Betty White. Who everyone knows (laughs) these days. Yes.
0: Uh, iconic yeah. in the world of, of, of television broadcasting, game shows, and, icon- and a big part of Los Angeles c- culture. Like, you can't go to the L.A. Zoo without seeing her name. And uh, I believe it's the bird apiary dedicated to uh, Ludden. Like, something's dedicated to Ludden at the zoo. Yeah,
1: it's um, – I've already forgotten what the sanctuary is. I, I want to say the koalas because I've been there and I had my photo taken with flack. I think it might be koalas, but it's, there's a plaque in one area of the zoo. Uh, it's called Alan Ludden Plaza, uh, and it's a, it's a very sweet story. Alan BFF was Grant Tinker, uh, the legendary producer um, who got his start working with Alan Ludden on College Bowl, and they were friends for years after. Uh, the day that Alan Ludden died, Grant Tinker was appointed chairman of NBC. And then the next thing he did, and he didn't tell Betty White he had done this, and Betty just kind of figured out it was Grant who had done this, Grant Tinker made a sizable donation to Los Angeles Zoo as soon as he became appointed chairman of NBC, with the condition that they named something in the zoo after Alan Ludd. So it's a very sweet little story, but that's, yeah, if you go to Los Angeles Zoo, there's an in plaza. Everything here links
0: to game shows. I'm not going crazy, I swear, you guys. <laughs> Uh, but it was such a heartfelt story. And then you see things dedicated to Betty White, and you see, yeah, and,
1: and it is very sweet. Very heartwarming. And the, the, the big thing to keep in mind here is they met each other during the show, which is a very nice, they met each other when Betty was a guest on password. Um, and, <laughs> and Alan won her over, and it was kind of a great story. Uh, Alan won her over with a really slick gesture. Um, Betty was dating another guy at the time and it sort of turned into this war where Betty's mother was caught in the middle. They were trying to win over Betty's mother by getting her gifts. So Betty's boyfriend would give uh, Betty's mother a nice gift and then Alan would give her a nice, then the boyfriend would give Betty's mother an even nicer gift and they're trying to top each other back and forth. So Betty White's mother had the most amazing life for about five or six months while these two men were fighting over her daughter. Um, as it happened before they ever began, uh, seeing each other, uh, Betty's mother was already a fan of Password. She watched Password every day and Alan knew that. And she thought Alan was a good looking man. so they had kind of this running joke where Alan's mother would look at the TV and go, hi doll, in this very sweet effect voice well many thought it was funny so she mentioned that to Alan one day you know my mother always says hi doll when you walk out on stage at the beginning of the show and Alan goes ah, ha, ha, that's great and so a few weeks later they're watching Password together Betty and her mother are on the couch watching Password Here's the host of Password Alan Ludden and Alan Ludden walks on, on stage looks right at the camera and goes hi doll and Alan Ludden won this war that is <laughs> one way to do it yeah
0: and, oh, man, it's it's such a lovely story. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and Password would have this huge legacy. Mm-hmm. And then it had many spinoffs. I guess we can go into it, because Password is this first to 25 in a speed round game. And then later on in the 70s and in early 80s, they tinkered the format a bit. Now it's not a points first to 10, 9, 8. Now we're going to make it a puzzle game mm-hmm. in the form of Password Plus, which we talked about with the swastika set. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Uh, allegedly the guy who did credit for this, Iris Dutch, who was a producer at Goods and Talk many years, allegedly drawing inspiration from a game show that was Ralph Edwards called Crosswits. Uh NBC had come to Goodson Tottenham and said, listen, uh, Password has a really good track record, so we want NBC on the daytime lineup, but attention spans are changing. We don't know if Password as it was is going to work, so can you find some way to reinvent it? So it was the strangest thing. They came to Goodson Tottenham and said, okay, so we want Password. We just don't want Password. So (laughs) they had to figure out how to do Password but not do Password anymore. So uh, they came up with this new format where they would play Password, but now every series of five passwords were linked together uh, to form clues to a famous person, place, or thing. And guessing the password, instead of giving you points, it gave you the right to guess the solution to the puzzle. So the passwords might be, for example, they might be five, numbers, help, move, mail. And from those five passwords, you would guess that the answer to the puzzle zip code. So that was Password Plus, uh, and Password Plus was a really neat reinvention of Matt, and I will say that they prefer Password Plus. I would say there are a lot of fans, actually. There may even be more fans that like that version than like the original version at this point. Um, but <coughs> Password Plus, the reinvented form, was popular enough to stay on the air for three years and then uh, disappeared for a couple of years and came back as Super Password on NBC, and that got about a four-and-a-half-year run.
0: And with Password Plus, it was still hosted by Ludden. Then they had near the end Colin and then Kennedy.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of a sad story, but also kind of admirable in a way. As Alan looked there was something wrong with it. He didn't know what exactly at the beginning, um, but he knew he was having stomach troubles when Password Plus began. It turned out to be stomach cancer. He took four weeks off to uh, get major surgery done while Bill Cullen took over the show. Alan Ludden returned for a few months, and then he had what was reported in the press at the time as a stroke, and what actually happened was he had a severe overreaction to one of the medications he was on. Um, But after that reaction, he just left the show altogether, and while he was in the hospital, they came to him and said, said, listen, the show's got to go on without you. And Alan was completely understanding of that. Alan knew how television worked. But Alan suggested that they see if Tom Kennedy was available. So on Alan Ludden's personal recommendation, Tom Kennedy got the job and took over the rest of Password Plus's run. And this version, when it
0: was, it was kind of similar to... It was kind of similar to, I guess, Family Feud in a way, if you had to get to a goal. And in the, early, yeah. in, in the first couple of years, it was three hundred dollars, and it was like hundred bucks a puzzle if you get it right. And then in the later years, it was first to five hundred. And the most iconic version is the super password run, where it was one hundred in the first puzzle, two hundred second puzzle, $300 third puzzle, four hundred and puzzle four and thereafter.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Which means the, the first puzzle doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh,
0: and it, and I don't. And there was like it's a bit confusing. And then they mm-hmm. changed the final round. Now the speed round I love because it was sixty seconds, five words, and
1: most typically they would get through all five. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: this time and they decided...
1: it was more for funsies than the money because so loosely on that version of this time um, around
0: they weren't being loose; they're being serious. Right. There's a re- there's a jackpot, mm-hmm. and it's with yeah. ten words in sixty seconds. And but the catch is now this time around it's alpha it's alphabetics where you get yes. where every word starts with the first letter. So B C D E E F G or <laughs> J K L M N O P. Yeah. And it's, and and then you have to just quickly get through the words similar
1: in 60 seconds or less with the penalty. And it's kind of an interesting penalty because in a way it's, it's allowing you to cheat if you're willing to prize money. <clears throat> The uh, the penalty for an illegal clue was it deducted one thousand dollars from your jackpot. So the grand prize in the bonus round was five thousand uh, dollars. If you give an illegal clue, they deduct one thousand dollars from your winning, so it becomes four thousand dollars for wins. So basically, if you've cleared nine words and you're really really hung up on the word, just say the word to your partner and then make them say it, and you can take five for it. Take the hit. Yeah.
0: Take, uh, and I bet that
1: happened uh, multiple times on this show. <laughs> you know what? I, I've never seen anyone really intentionally do Maybe this is a thing because having worked in the game show business, I, I can t- there are rules that are covered in the pre-show briefing for the contestants that they never bother covering on the air.
0: Oh, yeah. That's like, amazing.
1: um... <laughs> Like, for example, I've worked, without violating too many things, I'll say I've worked on a show where we would explicitly tell contestants the correct answer must be at least three letters long. Because the idea, was you didn't want them to come up with something that, oh, that didn't occur to us, but it's a two-letter cluster that works. Um, So that kind of thing. So maybe they had a rule that they just told the contestants backstage, listen, if you screw with us on your very, very last words, we're going to nail you for it. But I don't know that. But funnily enough, yeah, I never really saw an example where a contestant blatantly did that, and you could tell that's what they had in mind. Even though watching at home, that would be the first thing that would occur to me. If I if I knew that time was ticking away, I was like, you know what? I can take $4,000. Beer. Say beer. Beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and also, because I guess we can kind of... We've never really explained that on the show. A, a producer's producers tell the contestants beforehand how the rules are met there's n- there's no kind of every which way on a lot of these game shows
1: right yeah it's uh, and I, I will give you the- on pyramid for example um, I back when I was still eligible to try out for this I tried to try out for game shows I tried out for the Pyramid. And they handed us a full page of what constitutes illegal clues in the main game, of you remember. Not the, Not the winner's circle, which everyone knows is kind of uh, a complex set of rules for legal and illegal clues. But in the main game, where you just, as a viewer, you're thinking of it as you can say whatever you want as you don't accidentally say part of the word. No, there is a full, full list of things that you can't say on the air. Like, one of the things is you cannot refer to anything that is in the studio but out of view of the home viewer. So... For example, if the word that you're giving clues for is blue, you could not point to the security guard in the studio standing in the back and say the security guard's shirt is this color. That is actually spelled out in the official rules of the Pyramid. The, the universe of the game is contained entirely based space that the home viewer can see. But you can say so that example, three hands tie is this color. That you could see, you could say because he's on,
0: he's on camera. And you could do that. that but you can't also, yeah. also can't sing you can sing the clue if it's li- if it's Actually, licensed if it's licensed you can't right. sing the
1: licensed song uh and you can't i i remember uh you cannot see i'm not allowed to say the words rhymes oh yeah you can't say it right uh it
0: uh, like for instance it was peanut
1: uh it yeah. rhymes
0: with c but <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, man, there's so many, and then the winter circle is complex. It's a list. If it doesn't follow a list, it's illegal. If you say things, it's illegal. If you do an a preposition, that's illegal. If you unless the preposition of. unless the preposition <laughs> is used in a in a what a blank might say, but only mm-hmm. if it still is in the context of a sentence. Yeah, I'm around a tree. You can put trash in me. Uh, <laughs> What a garbage can might say. Well, it's right. illegal because trash and garbage. <laughs> that only yeah. gets complex. And pa- Super Password, Password Plus uh, also has one of my favorite memes in- among the game show industry. Where it's Which not just password. <laughs> it's, it's more than, uh, that's why I named the book that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more than password, it's Password Plus. Yes, it's more or how much more do you want fine we'll give you password plus or the other one is it's password
1: no it's super password (laughs) they don't even say no it's like it's like that that introduction for super password always just sounds like gene screwed up the name of the show (laughs) it's password and then the word super appears oh it's super password (laughs)
0: And super password, by the way, I would say had the be- one of the better sets too. If if oh password gorgeous was set deco, this was '80s. This was
1: neon hexagons. I love that. It. It's a beautiful set. I love the theme. Still one of my favorite themes ever. Oh, yeah,
0: we're going to use, use that. for for the episode. We'll use super password theme because good. Yeah, we got to. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. The, it's the it's fun Just theme for the theme, password yeah. at the beginning and then super password at the end. Hmm. Because that, because those are the two that I would say are most iconic to password in some general. Yeah. That that, mm. that do 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 do, and then finally, pa- the super password the do 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 do. <laughs> yes. Do do, <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> uh, who composed that song? Do you remember who? Uh... uh, the original or the? I think it was Israel. Israel did super password.
1: <laughs> um, let me check on that because I've got it on my iTunes. And uh, I'm going to completely hold up your show.
0: You do that. And as you do that, I will talk about the last iteration of Password. Oh, yes,
1: here we go. Now, the first theme to Password, uh, which is not one that you've talked about, the original theme uh, was like a travelogue piece uh, composed by Kurt Refeld. And then Bob Cobert wrote the second theme, the one that you were talking about. And then Super Password was the all-encompassing score productions score productions uh, composed the 80s uh, super password theme uh and actually it it has a title and it, the the title is not super password theme the title of the super password theme is stardust
0: whoa now that i i did not know that stardust yeah. which makes sense because 80s was very space time yes uh And now we gotta just we gotta crash this this uh, set now and talk about big money, big stakes, big bucks. Regis Philbin, (laughs) who's ready? I love
1: that version of password.
0: (laughs) If you love big money and you love password, wait till you hear about million dollar password. (laughs) It
1: It was great. I really did like it. I I thought the way that they structured the different rounds was brilliant. Um. I understand the thinking behind playing the game against the clock. I didn't... I'll tell you what producer Adam Nedef was thinking at the time, because I, I I kind of wanted to tie it into the old version of the show. I'd done it if I had been in charge of the show, and I would have been roundly shouted down by the networks, I'm sure, if I had proposed this, was do the show with returning champions, and you win your first game. It takes 25 points to win the first game, and then you play that first level of the, uh, the ladder that they used on Million uh, Dollar Password. And then, when you come back to play your second game, it takes thirty points for you to win. Your opponent still needs twenty-five, but you need thirty. Uh, and then the next level, it's going to take you thirty-five to win. And then it's going to take you forty, and then forty-five, and then you have to win the game with fifty points. And then you can play your million-dollar password.
0: I, w- I would like that. That, that see that would yeah. make
1: sense. Now the only catch it would be it would be kind of screwy to the viewers. Uh, if you have the scores going up, it's like, well, wait a minute, why is the game still going when this player is at 25? So th- that's the only issue is knowing that you have to present this in the straightforward way possible for people who are just turning on the set. The only thing I could think of was just start everybody at their winning score and have the correct answers take points away, and it's a race to zero. But that's how I would have liked to have done that version of Million Dollar Password.
0: And in this version, it's play with a front game and a main game. In the front game, they go four they go four rounds. One celebrity gives clue to contestant versus celebrity gives clue to contestant. Then civilian gives clue to contestant to celebrity. Civilian gives clue to celebrity. Switch celebrities, repeat the process in rounds three and four. Most points in the clock. Uh win, you only get three clues per round and then you go to the big bonus round where it's basically get five. Get five in in in, in a time limit, and it's ten, right. then nine, then eight, then seven, then six, then a full five. You gotta get five for mm-hmm. five. Yep. But as the levels get higher, the words get tougher and the uh, and the amount of passes are, are riskier, and there's a prize tree as well.
1: And I, I liked it. I I will say, even though I'm just to hammer home, I did version of password. Um, and the home game is actually very very fun to play against the clock. Um, but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought Regis was good in his role. Uh, I thought he presented it well and did it a little differently than he did uh, Millionaire, which I appreciated. Um, and I thought they booked some good celebrities who knew their way around the game and. They were able to handle that.
0: Why I, which is which is why it's like big money. Now the question is: Is Password capable of being a million dollar game show or not? That's cause.
1: straightforward. Password, no. Uh, like as you know, even in describing what I would have done, Password, where I'm describing, well, yeah, I would have this. No, you're still. You're still doing some stuff, and you're making them work towards that million-dollar goal. I would just playing a game of Password, as you're seeing it in the 60s version, and then going to a million-dollar bonus round, I don't think that would work. Um, I think it's something that would need to be built, you know.
0: Because um, to me, it seems like it, it's supposed to be light-hearted. It's light entertainment. Right. So if you're going to go light entertainment, you got to go into a relatively lower-stakes game show, which is kind of... Like a a match game level or a Hollywood game, match. that's why I say 25,000. That's a perfect amount of money for a password win. I would agree. Because, uh, and then if you go back and forth, like if you're playing multiple games, that means you get 50,000 or 75,000 if we're playing three games, which is not that necessarily out of budget because you have to play three perfect games to get that 75 grand. Yeah, when we know relatively, the producers can afford to maybe throw four grand <laughs> or eight grand at this. Uh, so, yeah. so that's the only issue. Also, I think they did a lot more illegal clues in in Million Dollar Password. Like hyphenated words don't count. Uh, oh yeah, I mean
1: they had to crack down because it's it's all the difference in the world when you're giving away two hundred fifty dollars to a million dollars for if a contestant feels like they got cheated, they will lawyer up. So you absolutely do need to keep a watchful eye over what the contestants are saying and doing and be ready to sound that buzzer if you need to.
0: And yeah, uh, we're, it's we're, not all for funsies
1: when you're going for a million dollars.
0: And I still can't wait to see how they do 25 words or less. Cause I love the idea of a word currency game. And this seems like that's going to be the new up and coming version of password is just word currency with 25 words. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the new modern take of password we have and 25 grand's given on that show. So hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's
1: I know, good yeah, I enjoyed the test run. I and again, I just it, it's nice to see a game like that on the air uh, instead of something that's trying to be b- big money and lots of frills. You know, we're doing this, we're doing this and here's this theme night and here's it's just it's a nice game. And that's all it is. It doesn't aspire to be something greater. And you make shows
0: so like that. So yeah. to, for twenty-five words or less, even though we're not—it's not the twenty-five words or less episode. They what they did here in Los Angeles was they ran for three weeks. They had like fifteen episodes, and they uh, they just aired it in L.A. And they just said, "What's the ratings on this like? Is it worthy enough for national syndication?" And it looks at things, it works Meredith was fantastic on that show She's on top of her game Yeah,
1: she we really went from is One
0: millionaire host doing a word association game To another millionaire host doing a word association game
1: Yeah And she's charming And she's funny and witty And she's invested in the game It doesn't come off as paycheck You know
0: uh, Who are you referring to here? Huh? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know who you could be uh, talking about. Uh, and so what's our big takeaway? And you never will. <laughs> hey. So what's our big takeaway here for Password?
1: Our big takeaway from Password is that less is more. Sometimes you can just present. I mean, that's not to say that you should settle for less on everything. It's It's great to have something wonderful and grandiose. But you can get a lot of laughs and a lot of entertainment by the absolute simplest format.
0: All righty. And now it's time for the final part of our show, Adam. You might have heard of this. We have a lightning round. Uh Uh-huh. Five questions (laughs) in 60 seconds for everyone that you get Five in 60
1: seconds. How inspired.
0: (laughs) Yes, this is exactly like that. But unlike that show, instead of one word, there's multiple words construed into making a question that you will respond to. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and for everyone to get right instead of 50 bucks uh we give you a plug because it's a podcast and it's not like we gave you plugs already at the start of the show but yeah five free plugs are on the line here you want to play yeah let's do this all righty let me got the, i got the questions out right here you yeah, can hear that you can hear we have physical questions this is not like some 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 lackluster show here all right <clears throat> let's put six seconds on the clock one word to describe Chuck Barris. Pioneer. What sitcom has the best living room? Oh, boy. Uh, Prince of Bel-Air. What is your favorite Ooh. wrestling tag team? The Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Oh, geez, that's, that's a throwback. The game show you most like to see revived? Tic-Tac-Doe. Conan O'Brien or David Letterman?
1: David Letterman begat Conan O'Brien's brand of humor, so I would go with Dave because without Dave there is no Conan.
0: You did it. Five for five. Beautiful. All right. I know. What? Challenging game. (laughs) It's almost as if I kind of knew what questions to ask. Yes. All righty. Five plugs. What are they going to be? The
1: 25-hour game show throwdown is...
0: Game show
1: throwdown. Uh, 25 consecutive hours of the greatest game shows of all time. We will be streaming it live on Twitch. Look for Home Game Entertainment. That is the channel on Twitch. Uh, we will be streaming live from the Hyatt Place Hotel in uh, Glendale, California. So please join us. If you live in or plan to visit the Los Angeles area that weekend, we are more than happy to have you. And you're welcome to come join us and play the games. I'm invited. Uh, Whoa. So, please <laughs> continue watching. Starts at yeah. noon. Oh, so the first day the
0: early day, uh day before. There's uh, there's an early day before, right. too. Yeah. Uh, 26th, uh, July 27th, be there.
1: Yes. All right. Let's all be there. Uh, <laughs> please keep watching Double Dare on Nickelodeon. Please keep watching Metal Samurai. Please visit BillCullen.net for all of your Bill Cullening needs. And please go to, and this is great, because to a plug, and now I don't have to pick and choose one or the other amazon.com slash author slash adam neediff that is amazon.com slash author slash a-d-a-m-n-e-d-e-f-f
0: you know i'll definitely be watching double their mental samurai
1: please definitely
0: do pick up your books because I, I just i keep reading this book and i learn new things every day thank you so adam Stop. thanks again for stopping by i've had a lot of fun so
1: have i We must do this again at some point.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Holy cow. Thank you so much, Adam Nedef. Game show's FAQ now available on Amazon amongst a whole lot of other places. I love Adam so much. Uh, Fun fact, he actually has a supermarket sweep sweater. I'm so jealous of him for that. Uh, Also... Uh, th- this is what the money tree was on Million Dollar Password because we didn't get to that. The first round was with ten passwords. If you get five, it's ten thousand. Round two, it's out of nine passwords. If you get five, it's twenty-five, and that's guaranteed no matter what. Uh, then round three, it's now into eight, and if you get five of those, it's fifty thousand. Then in the next round, round four, it's seven passwords. If you get five out of that, it's a hundred thousand. Then in round five, it's five out of six, and you get 250,000. In round, in season one, uh, that was just a regular value. In season two, it was guaranteed no matter what. And then in the final round, round six was a straight five out of five for $1 million. It kind of reminded me of Downfall's prize tree, to be honest, um, which is kind of interesting. I remember playing the PC game. Or recently and it I, I mean it somewhat holds up but at the same time it is million dollar password and i kind of forget the whole pass structure of the game but that goes to show you where this game is um three chances and then it's out uh with the time limit um also uh one of the other games i played was a super password game for dos and i believe it's in the internet archive and i think believe it or not i think of all these dos games this is one that actually still holds up uh the whole get your computer to say a prize so you're kind of inputting words that you think could fit the password i like that idea and then maybe you can play it with friends as well who knows i remember playing the tiger electronic version of password a long ass time ago remember tiger electronic handhelds um now i'm just getting nostalgic Okay, so it is time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game on The Price Is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight. <laughs> It's optional. Premiere date, September 4th, 1978. Number 2931D, Air of June 30th, 1978. Finale date, May 9th, 1983. Thank you. It's optional was a pricing game in which a contestant had the chance to win two cars. Gameplay. The contestant was shown two cars, both the same make and model. One car was a base model, while the other had certain unidentified options in it. The prices of the two cars were represented on a game board, which had a horizontal ruled scale from 0 to $1,200. The base model's price was placed at the start of the scale, while the more expensive price was marked down the scale. And the difference between the two prices, image of 1920-style cars, representing the two prize cars on the scale, one place on each price. Are you confused yet? The contestant was then shown a second game board listing nine factory options. The contestant selected options one at a time, and the baseball car on the game board drove down the scale at a distance, representing the price of the option similar to the presentation of Cliffhangers, which debuted two seasons earlier. The contestants had to come within $100 of the price of the more expensive car without going over to win both cars. They were given a certain maximum number of choices, usually three or four, but did not have to use them all if they won with fewer. The contestant won the more expensive car with its predetermined, unidentified options. They won the base model with the options that they had chosen during the game added to it. Interesting enough, the game featured the same day as the infamous Shower Game. His option had different rules. In its first playing, the player picked all their option choices before the car was driven. There was no limit to how many options could be picked. On top of that, it received its very first win. Until the premiere of Triple Play, its option was the only pricey game to be played for multiple cars. Uh, trivia, the most number of times the game was played was 12. I hate this game. I don't like the uh, add the tinted glass and add different things and different mufflers. And it, 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 It just complicates the car I think a car is a car I think the features should just be used as a uh, to complicate the pricing of a car it shouldn't be used as the main game for for the prices right and for that reason I think it just confused a lot of people I think in the big john version they just kind of just had pick some prizes and it worked uh so here is uh, how I would have done. It's optional because I dislike its optional. In the fact, its options. I would make this a super big time game. I want this to be played for trips. I want this to be played for cash, and I want this to be played for a car. So what I was thinking, if we we're ever going to do a revival of its optional, you have a base of ten thousand dollars. Then there is nine prizes. And these are various prizes uh, displayed. like one's on the turntable and and two are in neck on door two, and a few are in door three and the and some are just kind of just hanging out around the the, the main floor. So you can show all nine prizes off in one form or another. And the idea is, starting with your $10,000, get within $1,000 of the price of the car. So you start with $1,000, then you pick one of these prizes up, and that adds to the car. And then it becomes like, for instance, if the trip is $6,000 or so, it becomes $16,000. Then you add some golf clubs, and it's $2,000. Now you're $18,000. And you keep going until you're within $1,000 of the price of the car. When you're willing to stop, then the car gets to start moving. If it goes into that range, you win the car, you win all the prizes, and it basically becomes like a big win. Like, you're going to win about $50,000 in prizes. If it's not, then you don't win a damn thing. And I think that could make it somewhat kind of like the mega showcase on Australian prices, right? Uh, that could make it somewhat of a puzzle similar to that if pay the rent, but with more prizes, plus you have cash involved because of the set amount that's at the start of the game, that it becomes like a big money thing. So then if it becomes a primetime game, you can add 25000 to the mix or $50,000 if it's a dream car scenario. Something to to uh, to basically woo people into the game, but I think currently start at base of ten grand, get a few prizes. It doesn't have to be nine; it could be five, it could be six. Uh, but it has to be like a nice puzzle of how do you get close to a thousand without going over to the price of the car. So if the car is twenty two thousand or twenty three thousand, you need to get about twenty thousand dollars worth of prizes. You already have ten thousand dollars, so you need an extra ten to eleven thousand dollars worth of gifts uh because because otherwise it's just not that interesting of a game and you complicate it based on what's the price of floor mats <laughs> like that's the game what's the price of floor mats oh well <sighs> next time on the pricing game spotlight one of the classics punch a bunch
1: you are watching the TV? <laughs>
0: Eventually, I'm just going to need some drops. If you have any drops for me, just send me an email at JordanHaas at gmail.com. I'll probably listen to it and then use it on the show. Uh, so, as many of you know, I, I do like comedy. A lot of the guests that show up here are kind of in the world of comedy. They have great podcasts, they're funny comedy writers, they work at the UCB. I, I'm still shocked and surprised I can get these people. Uh, so so, I kind of do have a lot of love in the world of comedy. It, it, it's something i I liked doing in in college. Something I like trying to do growing up. I always like trying to get people to laugh, and you know, I I was influenced by people like Jim Carrey, and and I watched a whole lot of sitcoms growing up. Not really Friends, but you know, like Scrubs, uh, classic Simpsons, like everyone else, Mister Show. Uh, that it's kind of. Fascinating, understand comedy, and then when you get older and you understand how improv works or how sketches are meant to be played out and what's the wants and desires of of, of characters in different scenes, and when you go into comedy, uh, it's not necessarily who you are. It's a heightened version, almost like a YouTuber on stage of what people expect you to be, almost like a, almost like a professional wrestler. Now that I think about it the wonder a lot of pro wrestlers are doing that, uh, that it's a really tough industry. And yes, getting people to laugh is one of the toughest things in the world because you don't know that person. They could have had a worst day of their life or maybe they're just gone a whole shit ton of weed and they're just going to be the easiest act you can ever think of. So it came with a surprise that I found out there's a new comedy game show out there called Bring the Funny. It's on NBC right now. So... I saw an episode, and this is going to be weird because I'm judging basically a game show in the middle of its first episodes. Uh, so Bring the Funny, I've, from what I'm seeing, I like it a little more than Last Comic Standing, which was also an NBC show. Last Comic Standing was an NBC show about stand-up comedians that had to compete against each other in different stand-up comedy routines where the best act wins. Uh, but this time around, it's not necessarily who's stand-up comedians. There are stand-up comics, But now there are improv actors, there's sketch comedy groups, there is character actors, there's a whole wide variety of, of funny people, and to me, I like that variety a whole lot on Bring the Funny. Because now I can just, like, sit back and actually, like, enjoy some some good sketch comedy. I don't know how many of these people are at the UCB. I don't know how many people are from the Groundlings or, or how many have actual background experience in comedy. Some of these people are very funny. Others are kind of doing watered-down routines that I've seen on SNL a few times, which is kind of weird. Uh, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So if you've never seen the show, it's hosted by... Amanda Seals, and it's judged by three of the funniest people you can think of. Kenan Thompson, who's, you know, a sketch comedy actor from Saturday Night Live and all of that. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, you know, the You Might Be a Redneck jokes and the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. And Christy Teigen. Yeah, Chrissy Teigen. Um uh, I guess she's like a funny podcaster, I guess. That's kind of weird. I I mean, I guess they wanted to have like a, a a lady judge and that's who they picked. I mean, that's all I could think of. I would have picked like Kate McKinnon and then like maybe Foxworthy or or maybe Liza Schlesinger or or, or get like a podcaster like a Scott Ackerman, on board with this project because because it seems like that's what they were trying to go for like the three types of comedy stand-up actor and podcast and Chrissy is I like her on lip sync battle but I do not like her in bring the funny if that makes sense I like Jeff Foxworthy a lot in this More than I've seen him in other projects, and that includes Are You Smarter Than a 5th Grader. I think this is his best project thus far, because this is not so much him trying to tell jokes to please a crowd. This is almost like a mentorship to stand-up comedians of how tough the business is. And I kind of dig that, as he's still, you know, telling jokes because it's Jeff Foxworthy. And Kenan Thompson, I think he's just there because he's an NBC loyalist and he's been at Saturday Night Live the longest. That It's an NBC marketing ploy to get people to watch Saturday Night Live because it's Kenan Thompson. It's the longest running guy on Saturday Night Live, Kenan. He has a sitcom coming up and they're not really plugging it. He, he has a great talent for sketch comedy, and it feels like when he is judging, this, at least the sketches, he's not really doing it in the eyes of, like, what would Lorne Michaels say in this, or what would I say about the direction. He's kind of just there in the sidelines, and to me, that is very disappointing. Of the three judges, Foxworthy is the best, and I wanted more from Keenan Thompson, Chrissy, I don't know why she's there <laughs> other than she's she's, I guess, uh, someone who's amped up. So we're supposed to all f- get excited for Chrissy Teigen. I, I, I the, the comedy is hit and miss. But then again, this is the auditions round, which they call the open mic. Uh, and it's a bit more dignified so far than last comic standing. So the auditions round is everyone gets to perform. And then the best five from the episode return. Uh, so if I, so I don't know, cause I think there's four of these, which means there's going to be 20 contestants. So that's telling me then the next episodes are going to be of like the 20, we're breaking them up into four or five groups and episodes. Uh, and then, you know, of the four or five, uh, we pick the one to go to the finals and then the winner of the finals, uh, through to their third and final performance for a quarter million dollars. That's what I'm guessing. But that's my speculation. Maybe they'll do competitions like this week it's sketch week, and this week is stand-up week, and this week is uh, improv week or podcast week. I don't know. But uh, I, I'm going to guess they're going to do a tight five. That's all I can think of as, as a competition they will do for for Bring the Funny. Uh. So it's such a bizarre show. I can't really wrap my head around who this is for. And yet I could see its purpose as well. Uh, Because if World of Dance is a show on NBC and that showcases dancing, you have The Voice and that showcases music. And both are great shows. Bring the Funny is basically trying to do that, but with comedy. And... I can see exactly where they're heading for it, but this sort of missed the mark somewhat. I think they kind of rushed the production maybe, or they just didn't have enough good talent because I'm watching this show and maybe I'm just not laughing. Maybe I just don't have a, a, a sense of humor as it were, but the, the Bring the Funny show, I didn't even really laugh but i could only guess that's because it's network and maybe some of the jokes just couldn't go to air because this was just kind of like uh well it's funnier than saturday night live i'll get that much it's funnier than saturday night live it's funnier than jimmy fallon and it does show you how tough it is to be a comedian but at the same time it doesn't really deliver what I was expecting, which is kind of like a talent show for comedians, almost like those UCB improv nights. I I know I'm I'm I always say UCB and in Los Angeles stuff, but. You know, there's a lot of variety acts at the UCB sometimes. So some, so like, it, there are days when you go there and it's like a sketch group, and then a character, and then a stand-up, and then there's Ass Cat, and it's all of this variety of stuff, and it's kind of great because it's like about eight to ten minutes. If you don't like this bad skit, uh, there'll be a new something different, or an improv thing here, or stand-up comedy here. And it's all these fascinating things. And it's this nice collaborative art. And I enjoy that because it, it shows the variety of comedy. This feels like a watered-down version of that turned into a game show. And the only one in the room that actually seems to w- want to care is Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, I, not, not, nothing wrong with Amanda. I think Amanda's doing great as a host. I think she's the female Nick Cannon, and I'm, I'm trying to say it positively because uh, she is definitely warming up the crowd. Something tells me she is the warm up for the crowd, and it's just a blah show, if that makes sense. I can't, it's weird to give this a letter grade because I can, I don't know the format completely yet. I didn't really laugh much. I see where they're going out with this. I don't hate the show, but I don't like it either. If that makes sense. I think this could be so much funnier. I think if this was Comedy Central, this would probably have worked a lot better. But it's NBC, and they want something to be their comedy uh, show to to match. I, I don't know where to place this. I think... I'm not going to give it like an F. I'm not going to give it a C either because I think it's a little rusty. I think my letter grade is just going to be like a D plus. A D plus grade, if that makes sense. Because this could do so much better, but it's going to take better like contestants, better judges, and maybe have the auditions be a little better. Um because from what i this is kind of like the uh this is kind of like the world's best on cbs i remember watching that and just getting bored by it This feels like that but for comedy and that's what disappoints me the most because i like comedy i like to laugh uh i i also like to think you know sometimes i laugh sometimes i like to think uh so it just kind of leaves me a little disappointed if that makes sense um I like Keenan. I wish he would offer more help. Chrissy, not good. And Jeff Foxworthy, this is his best role. And I'm not kidding. Like, this is one where it's like, I actually can warm up to Jeff Foxworthy in this scenario. Uh, But other than that, uh, D+. It's a D-plus show. And I'm fortunate about that because this could be so much better. And I know there's a lot of people behind the scenes that work hard on this, but I just can't get interested in this. And that sucks. But, um, oh, well, uh, I guess this is the time when we're supposed to just uh, move on and then just wind ourselves down a bit. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I just want to remind you this Saturday, the 27th, go to homegameentertainment.com throwdown to watch the game show throwdown. Lots of game shows are going to be played hour by hour, classic nostalgic game shows, including maybe Password, hmm? And Adam's going to be there. He's going to be doing Remote Control, that MTV's game show. And it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going towards a good cause. It's going to Extra Life and Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. So I'm going to put a link in the description to where to see this, where to donate, and I hope you guys enjoy that event because uh, cause I'll try my best to tune into that uh, sleep deprivation. Not required it might be helpful uh so that's gonna do it for us today once again thank you adam for stopping by pick up his books it was great and thank you for listening be sure to go to itunes or i guess now it's an apple Podcasts. give it the five stars tell me your favorite game show uh and uh hey it's also on spotify as well and other places so tell your friends about this podcast i think that's the only way this can continue working out is word of mouth because I like to hear what you guys think. Uh, And yes, I'm aware it's very long, too. But there's so much game shows to talk about, so little time. And until then, see you Friday for our final episode of the week, when we'll be taking a look at Survivor. Until then, have a big smooch. (laughs) (laughs) Mwah!